Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. March is Women's History Month, and I I salute all of these strong, courageous, and generous women who have broken barriers, shattered glass ceilings, and made contributions to our church, our community, and our country. As I meditated on on what message to share with you today, self-care kept ringing in my ear. Many of us are so busy taking care of everyone and everything else that we never make, make the time to take care of ourselves. As we live through these COVID years, the need for self-care has become increasingly important. Self-care, it's the practice of taking an active role in your well-being and your happiness, especially during periods of stress. Self-care is not selfish. Self-care is not indulgent. Self-care is necessary for us to cope in the midst of chaos. Jesus practiced self-care. He not only cared for others, but he took care of himself physically, mentally, and spiritually. As it's written in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39, when Jesus was asked, Master, which is the greatest, which is the great commandment in the law? He answered, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love thy neighbor as thyself. We have to love ourselves first if we are to love our neighbors. If we love ourselves, we have to take self-care seriously. So today I would like to deal with five ways that Jesus modeled self-care. So these are Christian principles, Christian self-care principles for life balance. First of all, Jesus took time to rest. There's nothing great about being too busy to rest. Trust me, been there, done that. When we don't rest, we're only setting ourselves up for burnout, even mental illness and broken relationships. If Jesus rested and advised others to rest, why should we not do likewise? Are you resting? Look at Mark 6, verses 30 through 32. And the apostles gathered themselves together with Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. 
and they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Jesus even slept in the midst of a storm. Look at Mark, Mark 4, 37 through 38. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. The disciples woke up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Even in Genesis, we see by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Sleep is the bomb that soothes and restores after a long day. Sleep is largely driven by our internal clock, which takes cues from external elements as sunlight and temperature. And today, as we, spring, we sprang forward, I know we were probably off a little bit. The body's natural sleep and wake cycle is reasonably attuned to a 24 hour period. Changes in the sleep cycle are disruptive to the functioning of many body systems. And we know, we know this, when we don't have enough sleep, our learning, our memory, our stamina, our general health and our mood, they're all affected. They're affected by how much we slept and the quality of our sleep. And if, if we continue sleeping or you know, not getting enough sleep, there are consequences like weight gain and cardiovascular disease and even diabetes. Sleep deprivation can also affect judgment and mental acuity. Sleep needs differ from person to person and across different age groups. Some may need eight, others may get by with six, others may need even four hours of sleep. But we all need to sleep. We all need to rest. As Christians, resting may be hard to accept. You know, we, we are always, oh, engaged. We may be engaged in legitimate ministry and everything is, you know, oh, we're busy. We got all this church work to do. Our modern society moves at a blinding speed and we're constantly told we got to work longer, we got to achieve more, we got to give more, contribute more. Even on weekends, we have a full schedule of stuff at the house, tasks, laundry and cleaning and fixing the car and the kids and grandkids, the sports um, games and all, all of this stuff. We have effectively forgotten how to rest. True relaxation is necessary for a healthy mind. Even if even Jesus was willing to take a break, so should we. Spend time reading a book, doing a puzzle, take a nap, get a pedicure, whatever it is. Resting is effective in our self-care practice. The second thing that we can learn from Jesus is that he withdrew and he prayed. We see in Luke 5 and 16, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples, we see in Mark 6, 45 through 47. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethesda while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. 
Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. If Jesus took time to withdraw and pray, how much more should we? It's all right. It's all right to withdraw. It's okay to need some alone time. Amidst all of the demands in life, all the appointments, all the meetings and get togethers and socials to host, all those networking events, the dinners to cook, the children to raise, the reports to complete, the money to earn, the friends to comfort and to celebrate with. We sometimes just need to withdraw. It could be a weekend away by yourself. It may be an hour or so to retreat to a comfortable chair and with a book or some music and lock the door behind you. Your family and your friends will last for that long without you trust and believe they will. And if you make it a habit, they'll eventually understand and embrace it. Then there's prayer. Jesus withdrew and he prayer and he prayed. Prayer is not just thanking God and making requests to God. Prayer helps to align our wills with God's will. Prayer can be a practice of self-care. Jesus consistently withdraws from the crowd and prayed. He was constantly in contact with his father. And this allowed him to move forward confidently and in line with God's will. With God's will, that is. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is willing to accept his father's will, even if it is contrary to his own. He knows that the Father's will is, the, is for the best and that he has his best interests at heart. Even if it, not may, it may not seem that way at the time. So prayer is a key part of our self-care practice. It's having that conversation with God in our own way and with our own words. Prayer isn't a ritual that depends where you got to close your eyes and put on the, the holy face. You don't always have to kneel or sit. We can pray while walking, driving, or working. God responds to a two-word cry for help in the middle of a busy day, just as he does a focused prayer after reading the scripture in the morning. It doesn't have to be complicated. Use your own words. God delights in any simple words that we offer to him. In Matthew 7 and 7, our Lord instructs us to ask, to seek, and to knock. These three words cover the whole spectrum of prayer. Prayer is asking and receiving. When you know the will of God regarding a need, whether it be material or spiritual, you can ask God and receive. You can ask and receive. This is prayer according to the revealed will of God. Prayer is seeking and finding. When you don't know the will of God regarding a need, whether it be material or spiritual, 
then you are to seek his will in prayer concerning this need until you find it. This is prayer for the knowledge of the unrevealed will of God in a specific need. Prayer is knocking and opening. When you know the will of God and yet you find a closed door, you gotta knock and keep on knocking until God opens the door. This is tenacious prayer, prayer for mountain moving faith. Knocking prayer perseveres until the impossible becomes possible. This is miracle working prayer. All things are possible when you ask, seek, and knock. Our God knows, he is omniscient. He knows all about us every second of every day, wherever we are. He knows our fears, he knows our struggles, he knows our suffering. He knows when we need to stop and rest and he loves us through it all. That knowledge alone can be encouraging. So withdrawing to praise an effective self-care practice. Third thing is Jesus knew scripture. We see in the book of Luke chapter four verses one through 13, where Jesus was tempted. And Jesus being full of the, you know, we, you can read this more about this when you get home, but I'm gonna kind of jump around in, in this uh, scripture, it says, and the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God, command this stone that is, it be made bread. And Jesus answered him saying, it, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You know, devil is trying again to tempt Jesus. He said, if thou therefore will worship me and all be, and shall be thy, and Jesus answered and said, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Devil tried again. Later, he's going to jump down. And he brought him into to, to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, it's that questioning, if, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it's written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him again and said, it is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all, he tried and tried and tried. He departed from Jesus for, for a season. Here Jesus was, he was hungry, he was thirsty, he was tired, he was tired. The devil was trying hard to get him to follow his commands, but Jesus resisted every single time. And how did he resist? He came back at him, came back at the devil with scripture. When you are tempted, can you pull out that a scripture? Can you pull, you know, it may not have to be, it may not be perfectly quoted as written in the King James, but can you pull out a scripture? Can you call to mind a verse that will help you to withstand? If not, I implore you to start reading and memorizing scriptures today. 
read, crack that Bible, whether it's a, a hard copy or on your phone, start reading and memorizing scriptures that contain the promises of God, that contains all, it, everything that the encouraging that you will need when you've, when you've come to a point in your life where you need that encouragement, when you're being tempted, when you're being distracted. Scripture can be an encourager, a motivator, a guide, a counselor, and a tool. And Jesus quoted the Old Testament wherever he went. Obviously, he had done some studying. Jesus based his replies on scripture every single time that Satan challenged him. Self-care for Christians isn't all about pampering and rest, y'all. As Christians, we are called to study. In Matthew 22 and 37, Jesus commands us to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. What does it mean to love God with all your mind? It means that we are to think about faith and to study the scriptures. If we wanna hear God's voice in our lives, then we better know our Bible. Scripture is one way that God speaks to us. And the more you know the Bible, the more you know the words of God and the, those, those stories of others, those, those situations of other people who, who have gone through what you're going through. But once you know that at your fingertips, it will help to guide you through your life. Why is reading the Bible self-care? It's self-care because we grow by the word. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Christians grow through feeding on the, on the word. Why is reading the Bible self-care? It's self-care because we are changed by the word but we all with open face beholding as in the glass, the glory of the Lord. Why is it self-care? It's self-care because we are cleansed by the word. The word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. It's self-care because we are kept by the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Reading the Bible is self-care because we defeat the devil through the word. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. We defeat the devil with the sword of the spirit. So reading the Bible is a good self-care practice. Fourth thing is in self-care, Jesus practiced gratitude. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would, as we see in John 6 and 11. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful. Readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Gratitude is a practice, not a character trait. We don't just automatically just, you know, we're not born with this trait of care, of, of gratitude, but it's a practice. It takes effort. 
Jesus made a practice of being thankful. It was part of his everyday behavior, just being thankful. Paul wrote in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. As we see in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. It is, it is easy to be thankful when God blesses us with a new car, a new house, a new job, a better job. But can we be thankful when things fall apart, when our marriage and relationships fall apart? Can we be thankful when we get laid off? Can we be thankful when our son gets thrown in prison? Can we be thankful when we receive a life-threatening report from the doctor? Can we be thankful when COVID shortens the life of a loved one? It's hard to be thankful during these seasons in our lives, but it would help if we look at the context in which this word is used in, in the text. The word thankful here means to be grateful. That is to be grateful to God as an act of worship, worship. We worship God not for what he's done, not for our current situation, not for his material blessings. We worship God for who he is. So regardless of what state we find ourselves in, God is still God and our chief aim in life is to worship him. Psychologists say that gratitude is a state of mind. In fact, there's a, they said there's a gratitude circuit in our brains that needs to be worked out. Strengthening that circuit brings the power to elevate our physical and mental health. It also boosts our happiness, improves our sleep, and helps us to feel more connected to others. Gratitude practices are more than just saying thank you internally or out loud to someone. There's actually research that shows us how to make gratitude more impactful. I got some homework for you. For five days, try the following practice every evening. Don't just reflect on it, write it down, get a notebook, get a journal, get it you know, on your, the notes app on your phone, whatever it is. First thing is, I want you to reflect on and write one thing that made you happy that day. Push a little deeper by thinking about it and describing at least two more words associated with the reasons why you're happy. So that's one thing that made you happy that day. The next thing is write, reflect on and write one thing someone else did nice for you today. Doesn't have to be anything big, just something that someone did for you that was nice. And the third thing is reflect on and write one thing you did nice for someone today. I'm certain you, you did many nice things for others. The point is picking one, reflecting on it and writing about, writing about it. So that for the next five days, do that. One thing that made you happy and, and every evening, the next five days, one thing that made you happy one thing someone else did nice for you and one thing you did nice for someone on that day. Now here's the fun part. You can't repeat any of them over the course of the five days. It's, this exercise is to, is to make you think and not just to you know, robotically repeat yourself every day. 
This is how you can work towards increasing your resilience and develop positive habits that stick, which means you've got to do them. Okay, so I'm going I'm to check. I, I'm going to teach on Wednesday and I'm going to check on you to make sure that you're, 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 you're keeping these gratitude notes. So practicing gratitude is a key part of self-care. The last thing I'm going to deal with today is that Jesus built community. He built community. Life is not meant to be lived on our own, but to be daily encouraged by one another. Jesus learned at a young age to find community, people who could help guide and encourage him in his life. When he was a boy, his parents left him behind when they traveled back to their hometown from Jerusalem. Upon returning, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. We see this in Luke 2 and 46. He sought out the wisdom of others. As an adult, Jesus recruited the disciples to join him in ministry. We, the members and friends of Ferguson, are in community. Community in this case can be defined as a group unified toward following Jesus, motivated by God's love and empowered by the Holy Spirit, supporting one another and holding one another accountable in order to live out the great commandment, loving God and others, and to fulfill the great commission, making disciples among all the nations. Although Jesus frequently sought out times of solitude and prayer, much of his ministry took place in the context of community. Jesus deliberately chose to surround himself with people and to invite them to join him in what he was doing. Jesus was doing more than preparing people to be witnesses to his life and mission. He was intentional about living with a community of friends. Acts chapter four gives us an example of what community looks like within the early church. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. We can learn from this practice as we seek to, to take better care of ourselves as Christians. We must be in community with people following after Jesus. I found this poem that I'd like to share. It's entitled, Self-Love, It's Not Selfish. And it reads, taking care of and loving ourselves and being a whole, sound, and emotionally healthy person allows us to take care of others without it feeling like a burden. 
if you aren't taking care of yourself, if you don't rest and relax your soul, then you will be of no help to others, especially yourself. You will eventually feel drained and eventually there will be nothing left to give. You must give to yourself as you give to others. Make peace with your loss and try to forgive. There is a lesson in all of this. Take the time to learn what is, what it is. Honor yourself and where you are at every moment. The writer of that poem was Sari Mavi. In closing, let me reiterate, Jesus practiced self-care and so should we. Take time to rest, withdraw and pray, practice gratitude, study and memorize scriptures and build community. These Christian self-care principles will result in a balanced life. The word of God for the people of God. And the people of God, hopefully you're saying while you're on mute, thanks be to God.